Hello and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 246. I'm your host, Mike Epps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, uh, lad? David McBurney, Final Master? And your font of com- very interesting yet completely use- useless etymological trivia, your man in Japan, Michael Baker, Kaiji Minogatari. I forgot what I was going to say. Well, hot on all the Nintendo Direct news from last week, we have bad news from Nintendo this week. We have good news and then we have bad news. Yes. Bad news. In 13 months, the Wii U and 3DS eShops will die. Yes. Uh, I am amazed that they lasted this long. Well, the good news is you will only be unable to purchase new stuff you'll still be able to re-download things well your old stuff will still be re-downloadable they're not even taking down multiplayer servers which which means that Monster Hunter 3 U lives on for now until it doesn't yes until it doesn't yeah you just won't be able to add new money to those accounts i would imagine that this is as much just a we don't want to deal anymore with like this separate account system it may even be partially security based so remember that hit that whole issue uh, i don't know if it was last year or the year before with nintendo accounts got hacked and it had something to do with accounts that were tied to that yeah tied to old systems as well so mm-hmm. could be involved I don't know and I mean yeah, I was never that time. big on downloading stuff for the 3DS to begin with uh, I hardly ever do it for a switch either so. yeah it was some it wasn't the greatest okay. system because everything was tied to the system and not to your account which is not yeah not fill you with one, with lots of confidence. That no longer being the case on the Switch gives me some degree of hope that the next uh, iteration of hardware will actually have proper like account migration and compatibility. That would be nice. But, yeah, the, the big tragedy is, of course, losing games that were never given physical releases yeah. in the U.S. Especially, this was common. Uh, thinking of Ace Attorneys 5 and 6, which are available on iOS, but, you know, you still lose them uh, as something to buy on 3DS. And, like, that was their native platform initially. Uh, Unfortunately, a couple of the ones I actually wanted to get um, were delisted, like, up to five years ago in some cases. Which one for those? So, just some little indie games I reported on at one point, and then three years later realized, oh, I never actually went and got those, and I looked them up, and they're gone. (laughs) Weird. In in 2017. Uh, And what happened there? I don't know, but considering the, uh, the game in question was an attempt to turn the entirety of Tokyo's Shinjuku train station into a dungeon dive game. Hmm. It may have been... Perhaps it became non-functional in some fashion. Yeah. 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 Uh, So yeah, you've basically got about a year to work out 
what you can't live without and make your choice. Uh, I mean, sucks. It's a decent amount of uh, advance notice, but, you know. When a, uh, when a plat, when a, the online infrastructure of an old platform becomes burdensome, just Gone. tends to happen. I yeah. remember when original Xbox Live went down. Man, remember that? That was weird. There were yeah. people playing Halo 2 for, like, because they were basically, like, there was just a cutoff point where they would stop letting you log back in. So there were people playing Halo 2 on their original Xboxes for like two weeks after the cutoff point yeah. and just waiting until their Xboxes destroyed themselves. <laughs> now, I remember playing Halo 2 like one of the last nights that was still up. It was actually kind of not... <laughs> actually had the age was it? well. It wasn't that great. <laughs> yeah, by that point it was like 2009, I think. Yeah. It was, it was at this point where, like, maintaining backwards compatibility with the original Xbox... Like, maintaining an Xbox Live that still had to be compatible with the original Xbox meant that it was essentially impossible to make updates to it. Yeah. Uh, this is this is more a case of uh, making updates to this is difficult because it was kind of uh, hodgepodge together to begin with. Uh... If there's things that I would recommend people maybe go back and pick up, if you've got a Wii U kicking around, the version of Super Mario Advance 4 on there is uh, irreplicable on an actual cartridge. And may therefore be of interest for those unaware. That version, that was Super Mario Brothers 3, but they added a bunch of new levels to it because those were originally sold as e-reader cards. And when they put Super Mario Advance 4 on the Wii U Virtual Console, uh, the e-reader cards uh, went away. <laughs> like, they they were just all, like, treated as being scanned in, which is not actually a uh, recreatable state on the cartridge. The cartridge will not actually allow you to hold all of the levels on the cartridge at once. <laughs> so... That's uh, that's the best version. Uh, illicit websites have uh, copies of it, so it's like like all of these things. It's not going anywhere. It's just the official capacity to purchase right. it is going somewhere. And if any of these things were not archived yet, they will be because they have a full year to actually worry about archiving them. Yeah, but, yeah, it I mean, sucks. Most most of the items I wish I could get are like some of the old Super Famicom games that I really wanted to actually play again or play for the first time and I either can't find them in actual physical copy or actually I have not actually had a working Super Famicom in 10 years. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah. I haven't had a Wii U either and none of the, or very few of those games ever came to the 3DS. Mm -hmm. so it was I, basically I am, just like one wave of them. <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of hoping, I'm actually still hoping that the Switch will eventually get all of these old Super Fam or as many of the old Super Famicom game library as they still have people willing to, or owning the rights to them and willing to work with them. <laughs> so, um, which is one reason why Live Alive was just a nice surprise last year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> However, the one I'm really holding out for is Metal Max Returns. Because that's the one <laughs> game in the series I have not played. Um, and it might even be good. 
I mean, it's it was a remake of the first game. The first game was kind of bleh, but it's a remake based on the second game's everything, and which means yay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's still uh -oh. going to be a slightly buggy, archaic, and rather annoying to work with at times, but it's still going to be better than. It the should original. at least be interesting. Yes. And I want to at least I want to be able to add one last review for the series to my resume. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. To fill it out. I mean, I've. Otherwise, I think the only game in the series I have games in the series I have not actually um, done anything for were. I think the original Metal Saga phone game, which I never had the chance to play. The Metal Max Four smartphone game, again, never had the chance to play. Or, yeah. And, speaking uh, of things that are never going to be preserved ever. <laughs> yeah, I did play the second Metal Saga game for a smartphone just because it was playing at. Uh, at the game show, Tokyo Game Show that one time. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, those are the two I have not actually played. Others, uh, the two others I haven't actually played. And then I, I really need to do a write-up for Metal Dog sometime. But I need to be able to play it with my actual controller at some point, too. Mm. It has not happened yet. So, um, I want, I want to be able to say something besides success. You need to learn how to optimize, um, controller, con um, whatever on Steam. So. Hmm. It's the keyboard controls not cutting. Uh, only, like, not at all related, although this is a game that will suddenly become more of a pain in the ass to uh, get hold of over time, uh, at least in English. Uh, hey, anyone, uh, anyone else uh, catch the... Uh, new website slash Twitter account that may or may not be uh, Atlas adjacent. No. Uh, that just started tweeting a few hours ago. No. No, I missed that. Soulhackers.jp. Huh. Oh. I mean. Which links to a website with a countdown that ends in a little less than five days. Huh. I'm not sure why they were doing a remake, so that sounds like they're doing a second one. That's an option. Yeah. Although, given that Soul Hackers 3DS is about to become more of a problem to obtain, I wouldn't mind a port as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but, I mean that's the thing. It, it, it was it is still largely available both in downloadable and cartridge format. And hmm. if there were if it were just a, another port of that game, why the countdown? Hmm. I'm gonna yeah, I'll just drop this in the chat. You can maybe actually read what it's saying better. But it's probably nothing that interesting, but I don't Yeah, I'll just drop it in. Uh but yeah, that you know, it'd be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what, if anything, comes of this. Copyright Atlas Sega, all rights reserved. Let's see. Where do I own desk? I'm just saying, hello. Yeah. We are Ion. Um, please follow this account. You know it? Yeah. Sure. Why not? Um, let's follow this account. Okay. Mm hmm. Got over six sixty six hundred people following now, and that's yep. uh, we need your assistance.
yeah, it'll be. Okay, this okay. does not actually track to anything in the original game. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was trying to remember. I don't remember an ion. Not so. really, and nothing in the graphics really relates to the original game either. Yeah. Not the color so this... scheme, not the weird geometric things in the background. My immediate guess would probably be some sort of smartphone project, but I hope to be surprised. <laughs> I hope so, too. But yeah. So, uh, hack began at 8 Oh, hack begins. Okay, is that eight Thursday, 8 o'clock? My time? Or... Weird. Okay. No, it is soulhackers.jp, so... <laughs> No, I mean, just because it says right here, it's saying 2022, 2.17, 20 o'clock. And see, and that would be um, in about, what time is it now? Um, in a, about five and a half hours. Um, so I don't know why it has that time on it. Huh. Yeah. Maybe I mean, that's, that's when they'll... My time zone. If it's your time zone, then it's another day and a half. Almost. Yeah, it still sa it says Thursday, twenty o'clock when I look at it, so it's not using time zone information to generate that. Hmm. Okay. Four days. In any case, by the time this goes up, people will probably know more about what this is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it started about three and a half hours ago. Mm hmm. So around eleven a.m. my time, and. Uh, Five days, okay. One, two, three, four, five. So, uh, I'll find out on Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That, that caught my interest. That's two countdowns I have to worry about now because Capcom yeah. has like an ambiguous countdown coming up. Yeah. I find it interesting that they're using soul hackers on this, however, uh, instead of devil summoner. Yeah, like, that's the other thing, is that that would imply that it has to be, like, very specifically Soul Hackers themed. I mean, granted, Soul Hackers is the, is the only one of the two original Devil Summoner games to come out in English. When I tried but... accessing the page on my smartphone, it, it, like, accessing the mobile site, it had, like, a Japanese and English thing, so this might be something they intend to actually localize. Yeah. I mean... Hard to say. Oh, and under the... Um, if you... Uh, um, if you hold the mouse over the... Over the Twitter account... Yeah. Soulhackers.jp, at soulhackers underscore ATL. And under that, Jinri wa mamunaka shurio shimasu. Uh, Meaning, uh, mankind is shortly coming to an end. Yeah, the, they really are pushing that uh, portion of narrative in this uh, teaser. And that wasn't really part of the original game's narrative. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm interested. I'm curious. Like, Soul Hackers is one of those things where it's like it's one of those SMT offshoots that has like a very distinct world that none of the others are quite like, so I'd be interested to see what a Soul Hackers 2 would look like. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, yeah, it is connected to the first Devil Summoner, but it is definitely the most 90s cyberpunk themed thing you could ever find. Which is also like, oh, I miss that aesthetic. I love really, really 90s cyberpunk. Yeah. I mean, unabashedly. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, actually, I really like their take on virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Like computers, we don't need computers. We are using demonic paras uh, spiritual parasites to forcibly astral project you into a subsection of hell that has been made to look like a digital world for your convenience. <laughs> Listen, this was easier than doing the research. I mean, it's. I mean, when you think about it, it's probably the most believable cyberpunk aesthetic you could think of in terms of the series because there's absolutely nothing computer-related about it <laughs> except for the access point. Do you have the gun computer, though, which is also ridiculous. Hey, there was also the guy with the saxophone that was, in, um, that was fitted with the Devil Summoner program, too. Mm -hmm. so. I mean, any more ridiculous than the Devil Survivor ones that looked specifically like 3DSs? Or DSs? Whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah. But yeah, the gun comp was awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm I'm interested in this. Uh, I'm excited to find out what this ends up being. Don't disappoint me. <laughs> uh, what have we been playing? What have we been playing? Monster Hunter. Of course you are. But other than that, I've been playing a lot of Falcon games. Uh, I've been playing lots of East Nine Monstrum Nox, which continues to be great. Monstrum Nox and your socks off. Oh! Uh, but I also I don't talk about it that much, but I on and off fire up uh, Legend of Heroes: Trails of Cold Steel. Oh yeah, that kind of checks in you properly now. Going through that at a glacial pace, and I finally got to the end of the chapter I was on, so things started to pick up. Uh, but uh, I decided to play it a bit on the PS3, since it has cross-save between the Vita and PS3 versions, and I found out an annoying, annoying thing in how that works, in that the m menu option to download a cross-save is an in-game menu, as in you have to actually like be in the game and be able to access the in-game menu, which since I had not played the PS3 version at all, I had to start a new game, wait till the point where I could actually access the save menu, which thankfully wasn't super far in, and then I was able to download the cross-save and actually play it. Not, Hooray! Not, not a very smart design. <laughs> Some, someone dropped the ball on that one. I can't believe it. <laughs> um, I wish I could just play like the PS4 version, but which, quote unquote, has cross save, but it's only one way. So I'd rather still be able to play it portably, since that's what I've been doing it the most. You know, a few minutes here, waiting for the kids' bus, things like that. So. 
Uh, but I'll probably... It's like you're reading War and Peace, but one page at a time over the course of years. Yeah. Well, yeah, signif only years. <laughs> well significant plot events happened, including, oh, hey, that's a character from Trails in the Sky. A prior game. Who is actually a major plot element to this, and uh, I won't say more than that for spoilerly reasons, but I was like, okay, maybe I'm near the end of part one, and no, no, I still have two chapters left. You absolute dip. And Thinking my, you'll ever finish. Yes, and my clock now reads 67 hours. Two chapters yeah. to go. This is part one of four games. <laughs> yeah, and make it longer. What? This is why Trails is going to continue to be a blind spot in my gaming library oh, because God. I really do not have the time. I mean, it's ridiculously long, but... I, I can't say I don't like people like them for a reason. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's just... not like I don't appreciate it. It's like uh, I was thinking about this today. I'm like, this is like a very talky JRPG, as many JRPGs are, but it's in a way that works a lot better than they usually do because it's it serves a purpose. It's building up the world. It's building up the characters that you're going to be with for like four games it's you know setting up lots of things it's it and it, it works like there's a lot of jrpgs where if it's like a meaningless conversation conversation i'll just skip through and there's really not a lot of meaningless conversations here even when the game is just being kind of silly it's it's all it all just kind of works, so, you know. I'm digging it. But, yeah, there's there's a lot to take in. So. Can you dig it? Uh, but now that, now that I'm intrigued, I'm going to have to just toss some things on my backlog into a burning fire. Get rid of them. <laughs> what, are you, what are you cleansing with all the fire? I have no idea. <laughs> You'll work. Yeah, I figured it out. Something ain't getting played anytime soon. Um, and it's anything that's not Monster Hunter. Uh, I mean, I play this on and off a lot. It's, it doesn't really count. <laughs> I don't Fucking really. Eternal video game. I don't really count like multiplayer video game time the same sphere. If that makes any sense. I mean, I understand how it makes sense to you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of Falcom this year, I think, because I I I need to regain like like I've discussed. I need to regain my East cred. So let it lag for several years. And And uh, so. I also really, really want to play Tokyo Xanadu at some point. Very intrigued by that game. I remember playing the demo. Very active game. Yeah, it looks like Persona X East, which is why I want to play. Actually, I'm pretty sure that's how it was described at yeah. Tokyo Game Show. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how they wanted people to think of it. It's yeah. like... I mean, granted, if you want something to be compared to Persona, all you have to do is include a 
a uh, Japanese school aesthetic. It's true. You're halfway there. Oh, and uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up in a negative light to Trails of Cold Steel is um, I feel like some writer or writers at Falcom are working out some weird issues um, because both games involve protagonists with adopted or uh, like step-siblings. Um, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> And yeah. So let me tell you about anime. And say, do we have brother con and sis con situations going on? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you about anime. Like this is not like I'm not gonna pretend that the writers might not also be failing to work through some issues, but this is also just like is this just a thing that's in lots of anime these days? These days? By these days, you mean the last like 15 years? Okay. I was gonna say the last 25 years. Yeah, that's probably more accurate. Right. Well, maybe, uh, maybe that's all it is yeah. then. It just seemed I mean, weird for I mean, it to it be has, in one series and then this one. Yeah, let's just put it. Let's just lay it on the table. Like mo most, most uh, anything with uh, that is trying to appeal to a like modern teenage anime demographic is going to probably have at least one of those character archetypes. Got it. Just because it's, it's one of the standard dating archetypes in the video games at this yeah. point. Yeah, like, that's part of the reason that it probably showed up in Cold Steel is that it adds the... it's Because that game has, like, vague dating sim elements, so... Yeah. I mean, they needed I mean, to hit saying, all like, of the archetypes. You were saying in, like, the last 10-15 years, that's about the time a lot of these archetypes actually got formalized in the fandom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them existed a long time before then, but a lot of the, a lot of the terminology appeared like in about fifteen to ten years, ten fifteen years ago. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, at so least it started being yeah. used in video game descriptions about that time ago. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. So yeah, uh, so, um, the the rot is not specific to yes. trails. I mean, I I. Yeah. I remember seeing some things. I think you can like pick, eventually pick someone for the character to date. So I think you can pick to not do this, but I don't really know oh, yeah, for 100%. sure. Yeah, they're not going to railroad you into this particular choice. Yeah, it's just the option available. Like yeah, because because like railroading you into a specific choice would defeat the purpose of giving of putting all of those characters here and then adding the dating system. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess it's, it's uh, I, I guess it's worse in Trails in the Sky because that was straight up just That's just the plot. That's, that's just, that's the, just plot. the plot of Trails yeah. in the Sky. Yeah. I mean part of it is that they've taken some of the uh, the old childhood friend trope and added it into stepsister trope. Right. Yeah. Like you put so, those two things together and it just starts to become a little more common. As they started doing that, I think, because too many people got bored of the childhood friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Uh, oh, Japan. Yep. Uh, but, let's, that's whatever. A lot it's, of not, it's not a big part of the game anyway, so whatever. I don't care. You just eat around it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, and I take it, Gaijin, you haven't been playing much because of the whole uh, 
Joy-Con thing. Oh no, that just that one game has not been working with the controller. Oh, I mean Switch? Yeah, the Switch. Yeah. yeah Switch still out. It should be by the end of next week back. Yeah, so, I've so I would doing... imagine that you're just still at the... Uh... I've been doing Atelier Sophie in the evening. Yeah. So well, that's right. You're, you're playing that on PC? Yeah. Oh, Atelier Sophie 2. I thought you were playing that on Switch. Well, thankfully not. Um... <laughs> and you wouldn't be able to play it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, however, I mean, I kept thinking, okay, this is like a preview build or something like that, something like that. No, it's apparently it's the actual entire game. That's oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how much you're allowed to say about what you played, but... Hmm? I don't know how much you're allowed to say about what you played, but... Um, I think the email mostly said what I was not allowed to show in a... Um, in uh, screenshots. Well, let's see here. Mm. Let's see here. Uh, okay. Dun, 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 dun. Where it is? Oh, it's in the stack, isn't it? Um... Oh, no, that was... Um, let's see, where is this thing? Try to find out where these things are now. Um, but yeah, um, it was mainly, please don't show the uh, pictures of these specific items in the game. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, which it I seems like you've been enjoying it. Was really the... so, mm. yeah. As it is... Um, I'm reasonably happy with this game. Sweet. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's like they actually read my reviews of um, the original Sophie and both Rise of Games <laughs> and thought, okay, here's where it can improve. I'm like, yay. So, hmm. which tells me I must have had some very, I must have hit on some very common complaints. With my stuff. Yeah. So now so. that they've gotten this one out of the way, can we finally get the fourth Dust game? We, can we, can that I'm really place? hoping. I'm really hoping because that's one that would really fit well. Yeah, and that would give me a reason to force myself through the last two games, finally. Oh, they're all good games. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't mean to use the word force. I just mean it'd give me a reason to focus on them and actually play them. So I'm easily distracted by shiny objects. So, however, one thing I will say, no, um, no game in the Italian series has done better music than the Dusk Trilogy. Uh, yeah. So good. Best intro musics. So much good music. Well, I mean, best music all the way through. Yeah. No, I mean, I've listened to a lot of those game soundtracks before even playing them. They're wonderful. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Gus could actually afford to do that experiment with the soundtrack again. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, I mean, you know what they did, right? I forget. Well, if you're looking through the like the videos on or the soundtrack on YouTube, you'll notice that very few of them, or there's like five different composers listed. <laughs> so Gus just basically Gus basically hired the cream of the Japanese indie music circuit. Nice. And said, do what you want. <sighs> so so that's why we get some really funky songs all all the way through this. It's why the intro to Atelier Escalogi is uh, 
done in this semi-obscure folk style that is only known in Argentina. Huh. Um, <laughs> I'm not joking there. It's it's like you can look through the comments on one of those videos and you'll find references to whatever Chichamago or something like that. I can't remember the exact name of the style. But it's very much that style. Um, it's just it has some brilliant music. So. And unfortunately, at least one of the creators has died of a heart attack about five years ago, so Aww. he won't be making it again. Wawaka. The Fluffy 2 has nice music. It's, it's very, very reminiscent of the earlier games, um, general pseudo dramatic Renpunk style. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But it's also got the much wider world for exploration than the original Sophie did, or most of the original games did. Uh, a lot more like Ryza 2, um, just a little more open, actually, than Ryza 2. Sounds fun. Yep. How can I help you? Good. Interesting. Yeah. Quest has come in for you. Come back anytime. <sighs> I have a special quest for you. Oops. See you later, then. I hope. And meanwhile, I've been playing stupid shit. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Oh, uh, please tell us more about the stupid stuff, please. Before you tell us about the stupid shit, I just want to say I hope the Atelier games keep doing well. So maybe someday we can get a dub again on one of them. Yeah. All right. It'd wait. be nice, but I think the ship is sailed. Probably. Um, Personally, I really enjoy just testing my ability to understand what's going on without looking at the um, at the dialogue box. <laughs> just being able to just catch spoken Japanese and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, to be honest, general game dialogue is not that difficult in Japanese once you've got the basics down. So it's... I mean, it's these, are, these are meant to be played by 14-year-olds, so... No, I mean... Like, Jap Japanese language does not do idioms to the same extent that English will. By a mm. long shot. Mm. By a very, very long shot. Um... <laughs> So I'm I'm just looking at the English translation or English interpretations of some of these lines because they can't be called translations because there's no way any of these words are matched to any of the words spoken. They'd be monotonous. They would read monotonously in English. <laughs> yeah, they do. That's that's the first way you can tell that somebody or that there was a machine translation or just somebody didn't know what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's see. And yes, and yes, sometimes the the uh, localizers get a little overboard with it, but yeah, it seems to have done a pretty good job of actually making the characters relatable and well written, and that's not something you could say about the first Sophie game. Uh, yeah, uh, for for me, uh, in terms of stupid shit, uh, so. I played a bit of a Game Boy Advance Frogger game for some reason. Oh, okay. Why? I don't actually know why. Okay. 
There are like there? five of them. <laughs> I don't know why. There were five um, of them? I have I have so many questions. Like, they have why? names like Frogger Adventures, Temple of the Frog. And Frogger, the Great Quest. So yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of them. Uh, it's 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 just weird to play anything that is an attempt to expand Frogger's gameplay. <laughs> That's all there is to say about that. Uh, the thing that I was playing that was less stupid and actually had like a goal and thematic purpose in mind was that I uh, booted up Arcelad. Oh. One. Oh. Uh, you may recognize, like, part of the reason that I did this was, hey, yeah. Front Mission 1 and 2 were announced. Good, because uh, I was going to ask the, why. <laughs> yeah, so Front Mission 1 and 2 uh, remake were announced. Uh, Arcalad was made by G-Craft, who was the Front Mission developer. Okay, makes sense. So I was like, well, I don't, I want to play something by them, but I don't want to play Front Mission 1 because they're just going to re they're just going to release a remake in the summer. Why would I do that? That's the uh, one they already remade on DS, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, so Front Mission First, which is specifically like a slightly different... Like, the choice to call the remake Front Mission First makes it clear that it's retaining the DS content, which was like... By, from the more well-informed Front Mission fans I've spoken to, there was like an entire another campaign added to that remake. Oh, so. wow. Oh. The choice to keep the name Front Mission first implies that they are keeping, they are retaining that additional campaign. But yeah, uh, so G-Craft made Ark the Lad, and uh, I don't know what on earth happened uh, with that. So like, by all accounts, the original Ark the Lad was made essentially because Sony realized there was a gap in its release schedule. Uh, for, like, a fairly traditionalist, like, strategy RPG. Like, that, that did not exist on the PlayStation at that time. So they contracted a company that had experience with making uh, strategy RPGs, in this case, G-Craft, uh, and had them pump one out. It came out about six months after the PlayStation... Where I had to hazard a guess, this game probably had like a nine month turnaround time. Jeez. Uh, which, uh, not in a bad way, you can just tell that it was made very quickly. Mm. So, like, the, the way that I'll put it is one, that is nowhere near the fastest turnaround time that Sony was expecting at the time. Uh, I'm gonna, like, put it to you straight. If you look at the, like, gestation periods of a lot of Sony's very early PS1 games, it seems like uh, at the time it would be fair to say that uh, it was like working for someone who couldn't find their ass with two hands and a... with both hands and a flashlight. <laughs> like, one of their their flagship game, Crime Crackers, which was made by the Tenshi no Uta uh, Developers. I played that one. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, they poached the Tenshi no Uta people, uh, and Crime Crackers was made in five months. It feels like it. Yep. But like they wanted that to be their like Sony. Sony considered that to be one of their flagship like early PS1 games. It's like what the fuck? You gave them five months. What is wrong with you? 
Like, even if they weren't learning new hardware, what the fuck? But yeah, uh... So Arcalab, I would be shocked if it had more than nine months of development. Uh... It's, it's like a minimum viable product for a strategy RPG of the era. There is... Uh, you, you can feel the seams of them just cutting things down to get it out the door. So, like, there is a there is a proper engine for exploring, like, town-type areas, but there's basically never a point where that's happening. Like, it's happened... There's been, like, two areas I could walk around in that were not, like, considered battlefields in some fashion. And it's... There's so few of them that it's like, I don't know why this is here, and the only thing I can think of is it was determined that they would take too long to flesh out. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you move from battle to battle, you don't... There's not, like, a strong character customization element. Uh, because you don't... There, there's not time for that. There's not time to devise a system for that. So what you get are very... Uh, the, like, very serviceable strategy battles, but not a whole lot else. I do appreciate how fast the game is. Because there's just not a lot of menuing, like, if you you have, like, a big set of squares that you can walk to, uh, you're allowed to just move freely between them until you declare an attack, which will end your turn, or cast a spell, which will also end your turn. You can also just choose to end your turn, but, you know. Basically, there's very little actual menuing going on. Uh, it's a relatively fast game. Uh, which helps sort of paper over how thin it is as a game. Uh, it's also only like 10 hours long by all accounts. I've not finished it, but it, it is not a long game, especially by the standards of its own genre. Uh, it feels like some of the character art is mismatched. Uh, like some of the characters like Love Interest Kukuru have like Portraits that look like, oh, that looks like the sort of thing you would see in RPG at this time. And then some of them, like Ark himself, have character portraits that are like, this looks like a default asset pack for <laughs> RPG Maker. Uh, so it's, it's a very, it feels like, uh, it, it feels very much like they were just, this needs to be out the door yesterday. Uh, but it, it doesn't. It doesn't feel buggy. It doesn't feel particularly incomplete. It's just thin. Threadbare, in a sense. But uh, it's fine. Uh, I've been enjoying it well enough. Uh, the working designs isms have been kept to a minimum thus far. Uh, there, there have been a few. Oh, certainly there have been a few. But they have not been... Uh, Overabundant. By all accounts, Arctolad 1, in any, like, modern context, is basically a prelude to Arctolad 2. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I'm building up to. It's like, I'll see if I can maintain interest to play through Arctolad 1 and 2. Uh, way back in the day, I played Arctolad 4, so... And that has heavy references to what happens at the end of Arclad 2, so I know where this story is going, and it's not a happy place. Uh, but, yeah. Um, I'm not certain what 
there's very little information on these game developments in English. I'd like to look it up because uh, the claim from Wikipedia that I haven't been able to find a source for is that Ark the Lad 2 was made by something called Ark Entertainment, which makes it sound like uh, after Ark the Lad 1, Sony set up some sort of development studio just to make Ark the Lads 2 and 3. Uh, and then, like, summarily murdered it, and uh, they never made another thing again. Uh... And now I'm just remembering the PS2 Arcalad. Arcalad 4, pretty good. Arcalad 5 slash End of Darkness is one of the worst uh, action RPGs I've ever played. Like, I don't have enough unkind words for Arcalad End of Darkness. Well, they made it an action RPG. They made it an action RPG. It was supposed to be a primarily online multiplayer thing. If you're aware of anything about... 2005 PS2 games, you know that no one was fucking playing any of that shit online because it's a giant pain in the ass. Uh, if you play it alone, it's just awful. Like, it is an awful, awful action RPG. It's extremely slow and boring. Uh, there's not really, like, a loot farming component. There's not really, like, a strong action component, you basically just sort of sit around and hit things with sticks. <laughs> it's bad. Don't play Arcalad 5, but uh, Twilight of the Spirits Arcalad 4 is pretty good. Um, it's alright. But it... What's that? I said it's alright. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like, it's not it's not anything that'll set your world on fire. It's fine. It's pretty good. Uh, it heavily ends up tying into Arcalad 2's ending which is why I mentioned that I know where that's going and it's not anywhere happy. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I've been playing mostly just as like a G-Craft thing. I'd be interested to find out more about Arc Entertainment because there's very little info on them in English, like I said, and I would not honestly be terribly surprised if it turned out that they were like a bunch of G-Craft effects that uh, ended up at, like, some sort of Sony setup subsidiary. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, the first Dark Blood, eh, it's fine. It was, it very much existed uh, for uh, a very specific time and place, but that makes it mildly interesting to examine now. Uh, looking it up, uh, it looks like, uh, I was, I was checking Shmoplations to see if they had anything, and it looks like it's on their list of things I'll translate if someone actually, uh, if, like, someone on their Patreon, uh, requests it enough, so... I guess I have to hope that someone someone on their Patreon cares about Arc the Lad at some point. It's the only way I'm ever going to get any information on what the heck uh, Arc Entertainment is. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's been kind of interesting to... Uh, yeah, that's, that's been mildly interesting 
to mess around with. It's, it's the kind of game that you would expect to come out of a company that was experienced in its genre uh, and essentially knew how knew what corners they were able to cut. So like they were a good call in terms of we need a strategy RPG out fast. But it is one of those things where it's like it is a shame that you just said get this out yesterday. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I've been playing. Uh, go ahead and ask why on earth. It, the, that list ended up being Frogger and Arcblad, and I will not be able to tell. Frogger. At least it wasn't the PS2 Frogger. You ever play that shit? I'm pretty sure. Nope. That's a game that has that starts with the premise of Frogger wants to find a princess to kiss so he can turn into a human. Huh. Okay, that. Okay, that's and, not the worst thing I've ever heard, but you know I doubt they do it well. Uh, well, I'm just gonna I'm just going to repeat the game's most horrifying line, mm -hmm. uh, which because the game starts with him wishing on like a star or some shit for uh, the chance to kiss the princess, and he says, and I quote, because I would never want to be credited with having said this uh, off the top of my head. Uh, as, like, something I had thought of. Uh, uh -huh. I wish I may, I wish I must find a princess before I bust. And there's just so many upsetting undertones about that phrase. I hate it. I hate uh, it so yeah. much. Uh, and then a fairy godmother comes down and declares him to be immortal now until he kisses the princess. Huh. Thousands of questions. Thousands of questions. <laughs> that game's infamously horrible. It was made by an internal studio of Konami of America that was never allowed to produce anything ever again. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, for some reason, Frogger was one of the last Konami franchises to be allowed to die. And they just sort of kept making them until like 2009. <sighs> but yeah, uh, so that happened. Played that. Can't explain it. Can't accuse myself. So uh, we want to get to some questions. Sure. Do we have any? We have a new one on the uh, on episode two forty four from Strawberry Eggs. Oh, sweet. Do you think there is anything behind the fan theory? that Mother 3 hasn't been officially localized because of the fan translation. It's quite good, and it's likely that there would have to be at least a few changes that could upset fans, changing the names of the... Not going to say it, there's a slur in it. Uh, for instance, Nintendo isn't generally concerned with backlash from localization changes, so maybe this idea doesn't hold much water. I think the bigger thing is that they just wouldn't care. Like, uh, they're not going to... Like they they would take it down. They would have the fan translation taken down at that point, most likely. Mm -hmm. uh, so but it's like the first the, time that they're doing it is if they take it down. Yeah, like if 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 tomato ever like that's part of the reason 
that I have my wonders about whether they would maybe hold off on it is like if Tomato ever like said, yeah, I've been told to take it down, people would immediately know that they had some sort of designs on actually releasing it. But <laughs> uh, yeah, like I, I think the, the biggest issue is they, they wouldn't care. They would just take it down and like just attempt to localize around that. And, like I, I've heard like a more like likely theory is just that there is enough material in there that like would be dicey to release that they they don't quite know what to do with it but mm. yeah like I, I don't know like there's a million and one reasons they might try it there's a million and one reasons they might never uh, one of them like the producer on Mother 3 not Etoy but like the producer uh, actually talked about uh, how he hopes that it will be re-released and released in English officially. Uh, so, like, there's still people pushing for it, uh, evidently, but, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm sure there's, like, a million and one reasons why they haven't bothered. Put it this way, if if GBA games ever show up on Switch Online, I would not be surprised to see that as, like, a... And, hey, here's a way to sweeten the deal for... Uh, the American audience, but we'll see. Uh, there's a there's like there is a decent amount of material in there that would give people pause about how to go about uh, touching it. Which is not to say that I don't think that they, I, I don't think they would feel concerned about people complaining that they changed it so much as they would be concerned about people uh, complaining about what, what it was in the first place. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's it's a landmine of a game. It's a landmine of a game. Uh, it's uh, as as I saw someone uh, point out, like, uh, and like this is not a knock against the game, but uh, as I saw someone point out, like. If you were to actually try to sell Mother 3, like not include it in the subscription service, but sell it, you'd get maybe 100, 200,000 actual units sold. Between, like, you'd get the hardcore Mother fans. And then anyone who wasn't a hardcore Mother fan would be like, why are you trying to sell me a Game Boy Advance game for, like, actual money? Uh, which uh, they've, like, the, the reason we don't get virtual console. Like the reason we have like Switch Online instead of with like its like selection of NES and Super Nintendo games now instead of virtual consoles is that they have learned through like harsh and tragic experience that you can't actually just sell people individual Game Boy Advance games and expect them to sell unless they're or Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Turbo Graphics, any of those you can't sell them to a broad audience individually. They just don't care. Like you'll sell Mario and a handful of other things, and Zelda and other things people already know of, but they, they won't play Operation Logic Bomb. No one's going to find that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, it, you could probably, like, Mother would probably be a big enough, Mother 3 would probably be a big enough. That's another thing. What would they call it? Would they call it Earthbound 2? That feels like the thing, like, they called Mother 1 Earthbound Beginnings, so, like, Maybe Earthbound with a subtitle, but... Earthbound 
Earthbound Reborn? I don't know. Earthbound again. Spacebound. Twilight of Earthbound. I don't know. It's, it's it's one of those things. It's yeah. And the the other thing, of course, you run into with any uh, re-release of the Mother games is just like there's nothing to build up to. You can re-release them a thousand times, and it's not going to make Shigesato Itoi want to make another one. Nope. So, as much as people would want to see them, you end up with, like... A lot of times when you see, like, an appetite to re-release something old, it's because it's like, well, it'll, pre it'll like, build groundwork for a future game. And it's like, they're, like Itoi's not going to want to make one. They don't want to try to make one without him, so... It... You release Mother 3, and that's it. That's You You fired your shot, there's nothing left. So, yeah. They're, they're perfectly happy to re-release the ones that they already had translations of that don't have, like, a giant set of question marks about certain aspects of their content. Mm. But yeah, I, I would bet on any of those reasons long before I would bet on being worried about fan reaction to like changes to any specific aspect of the translation. Uh... one in the podcast um, channel from Doomerang. Yeah. Have you, you played, played any good it? RPG games? Uh, I don't dabble too much in those, just because it's like it's not a community I like know too much about. I mean, I've I, definitely I heard a, of ones that people like. But... I, I've played a few that were pretty decent for... I mean, just decent because people involved obviously had a love for what they were doing and they were trying hard to take it in one direction or another. Mm. Yeah. The well, thing I've... you run into with RPG Maker games is that it really does end up coming down to how much that someone is able to like make something good around like very specific limitations. Yeah. I mean, it's Sturgeon's Law. Definitely applies mm -hmm. here. Um, but yeah, I had some. There was, one, there were a few that got released on like Steam a few years back, like To the Moon or something. That I knew. Something <laughs> to to. Yeah, that's the only uh, one I really have played is To the Moon, mm -hmm. yeah. which people seem to like. Yeah. Let's say um, our own Wonder Slimes Dragon Warrior. Was done in, which I still have downloaded and still have not gotten around to because I you really cool. need to play that one. It was really well done for an 8-bit Dragon Quest game. But there's all these stupid ass Game Boy Advance games I'm downloading and playing for no reason. Like Frogger. See, if you, if you have time to actually try Frogger, you should actually play <laughs> Dragon Warrior. I should play something Quest. that's good is, instead. But yeah, exactly. Play something that's actually good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, to be that's fair, when I download something like Frogger, I'll ever play. Yeah. <laughs> when I play something like Frogger, I'm I'm playing something that uh, I have chosen 
specifically on the purpose of if I stop playing this after five minutes, I feel no remorse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Lagoon. What's that? I Lagoon. Oh, or not. <laughs> Listen, I, I have I have contemplated Lagoon in the past. Let me tell you about Lagoon and how I was very like rented that game one time as a kid and thought it was cool and then bought it years later, like complete with like box and manual and was all excited and played through it and was like that was shit. That was hey, real shit. Not being able to get through the first dungeon because I couldn't figure out how to hurt anything. <laughs> You'll never guess that when that was originally released for Japanese PCs, it had bumping combat like East. You'd never oh, think it. Shocking. I'm so yeah, sick. I'm not that's at all why I found it later. Yeah. It made more, much more sense. Also, like when you look at its interface, it's like, oh, you guys just played East on top. Oh, I could make this. <laughs> yep. Unfortunately, the Super Nintendo version was actually worse than the original. Yep, uh, they were like, what if it had well, it needs an attack button, because we've got all these buttons now. <laughs> it's like, oh, should, should you be able to attack further than, like, three pixels in front of you? Absolutely not. We're armed with a toothpick. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Here you are. Let's see. But yeah, I uh, I don't know too many other uh, specific RPG Maker games uh, that I've actually played. Let's see. I think Shadows of Adam was an RPG Maker, maybe. Was it? Here you are. Maybe. Are you sure? Let's see here. Any oh. you'd like me to run? I mean, just something about the way everything works. Shadows of Maybe it wasn't. It's hard to tell. I mean, if you do it really well, it's hard to tell exactly what you, you underpinned it with. Yeah. Especially if you actually go all out on the graphics and don't use the regular. Yeah, so. like it's most anything that you see released outside of like the in like in the RPG Maker community is going to have been like, custom scripted and hacked all the hell and back, so it doesn't immediately jump out as being an RPG Maker game. Mm -hmm. And that's going to become more the case now that RPG Maker is, like, built on top of Unity. Did you guys see, see this? No, I had not. Yeah, they're, like, the new version of RPG Maker, RPG Maker Unite, I guess, or something. Uh, or It's just going to be like built as built on top of unity which will make like actually monkeying around with it probably easier or at least not necessarily easier unity is not a simple thing to work with but uh less hacky less kludgy yeah uh because like a lot of the like really impressive RPG Maker stuff by all everything I've ever been forced to understand uh, involves a lot of like miserable work with uh, whatever sort of undergirding scripting is going on in RPG Maker. Um, 
We've still got a bunch of fire miner questions, although I'm not sure how equipped I am to answer some of these because one of them seems to assume I remember what happened in the Matrix Resurrections because I did not actually watch it yet. <laughs> I haven't seen that one either. Yeah, so we'll just take this at face value and hope we understand. Is there any game playing out the it's all a dream thing in an unfunny or unsympathetic way? Very few games I can think of actually uh, pull that just because it's going to piss people off. I mean, there was um, Eternal Sonata. Trusty Bell? Yeah, Re yeah, Trusty Bell. Eternal Sonata. I mean, yeah, but I wouldn't call that unfunny or unsympathetic. It's just kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, it's also known from the beginning. Uh, Dragon Quest VI. Oh, yeah. Where literally half the game is a dream world. And so is the main character. Yeah. Um, Wait, what? Huh? What? Did you never play VI? Not all the way to the end. Some... Oh, hi. <laughs> what? Well, do you mind getting do you mind getting massively spoiled? Well, I think you already did, so you might as well. <laughs> and tell we let me tell you about how the game's original name in English was Realms of Reverie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, yes, the hero of the game is actually the dream self of the prince of the kingdom in the real world who the prince was not up for the task and was a coward and he ran off but in his dreams he was still successful <laughs> huh contemplate yeah. your place in the world when you find out you're the dream I kind of want to play that contemplate your place in the world when you find out that your dream's a better hero than you are I mean that's true of most people's dreams though <laughs> yeah. But yeah like literally half the cast is actually dream selves hmm. yeah it's fine that doesn't make you less valid <laughs> I mean, which shouldn't be too much of a surprise considering where you start the game and where you go up after not too long after. It um, is well foreshadowed. Yeah. Also, you can tell it's a dream world because not... the first thing you fight is in a slime. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not, not nearly as out of the ballpark as the ending to Dragon Quest Your Story in the movie. God, just... <laughs> Why do they add that? that to that movie? Why? Well, I mean, when I think when I thought back about it, there were a couple times where they I thought they were just using game interface imagery just for the hell of it. But no, you know what? Yeah. It's more just like there's nothing wrong with the DQ5 story. You can just do an adaptation of the DQ5 story. Yeah. I mean, they did have to cut out an entire B plot just because there was not enough time. The entire and yet they still had time for that shit. <laughs> oh, because you know that kind of stuff is in with the the fantasy and science fiction crowd these days. Hmm. Just I, I just consider it questionable priorities. Uh... Oh, you're not the only one, because I can tell you a whole lot of people were shaking their heads and going, what the hell, as they walked out of the movie theater in Japan that day. <laughs> I can state this in fact, go from my personal experience and observations. Hmm. Leave it to me. Leave it to me. Uh, yeah, let's see. But yeah, I can't think of a lot of other games that do this, or particularly that do it badly. Because, uh, like, I mean, usually. Yeah, but Catherine was all about how, like, being all a dream didn't change how real it was. Yeah. So. 
Uh, I, I, okay, well, I remember making up, just for fun, a Super Luigi RPG concept, like, almost 20 years ago, where it, it was, like, Super Mario RPG, the original Super Nintendo game, meets the never-ending story. Um, whereas it, it turns out the entire thing was, or the entire thing's being played out in the dream world, and the villain of the game is actually Wario's own personal dream. <laughs> and when you when you beat it, the at when the credits end rolling, uh, Wario wakes up in the bed and he's going, "What the hell just happened?" <laughs> <laughs> too much garlic. Before yeah, that. yeah, too much garlic. Okay. Well, I mean. It's hard to find it's all a dream to begin with, much less done well, much less done in a reversal. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, they, they were asking for unfunny and unsympathetic, so like, you know, I presume they were asking for bad. <laughs> but like, very, like, very few people try to touch that very just well. because it's such a dangerous way to destroy uh, to destroy any and all goodwill that has built up over the course of a game or any story really unless you're Dallas the RPG yeah uh, while we're talking about early aughts movie franchises anyone notice how weird it is that one of the three best Lord of the Rings games is still a beat-em-up from 2003 makes me wonder why so many licensed games suck when all they have to do is make a beat-em-up uh, it's really easy to fuck up a beat-em-up. Yeah. Yeah. A well-made beat-em-up you can make relatively quickly, but you need people that actually understand what makes them entertaining, and a lot of people don't. <laughs> yep. That's true for almost any game genre you can think of, but, yeah. I mean, the, the, like, the, there, the doing part, not necessarily the speed part. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, you, you need to know what you're doing, but, yeah. Like, it's just one of those things, like... It, it is very funny to contrast the uh, like Two Towers and Return of the King, Return of the King games against uh, the Fellowship of the Ring game from that time that sucks extremely. Uh, the Third Age, which is just like an exercise in raw pointlessness. Uh, the Activision uh, Lord of the Rings game. Which one? Oh, which one's that? Is that the Super Nintendo one? Uh, well, I had it for I had it for DOS actually. Mm. So I'm just trying to work out if those are the same. Actually, the uh, the old print out the 50 pages of uh, plot scenes and just check the page whenever you hit something. Okay, looking it up. Uh, Lord of the Rings Volume One for Super Nintendo. There is no Volume Two. Was a uh, was an interplay production, not Activision. Interplay, sorry. That game sucks. Okay. Yeah, that game is horrendous. I collection. I don't know why I said Activision. That's fair. It blows, and I'm still angry at it. That is an absolutely a game where, like, the first thing that happens is, like, Sam asks you to help him find the gaffer's glasses, and then both of you get fucking destroyed by cave trolls. Yeah. I remember that game. I managed to cheese ahead in it by going up to a ring race. And just timing my attacks so it could never attack back and killing it and gaining like a shit ton of levels. It's the dumbest to, thing I've ever heard. And be able to skip like the entire, uh, uh, oh, what the hell is it? The place where Tom Bombadil is. Woods? <laughs> just the, gonna say Woods. Myers or something. 
Skipping that whole section. Misery Mire. And, get, and skip right ahead to wherever you meet uh, Aragorn. Colin Tombadil. Yeah, that game is garbage. I'm trying to think of like what are the actual good Lord of the Rings games. It's not a lot. Very few. I liked War in the North, but it was very buggy on PS3, and I could never finish it because my save got stuck in a place where I could not advance. Like that's real bad. That sucks. Yeah. Um, and it, it sucked more because it's it's like it was a fun game. It was the one made by uh, Snowblind Studios. Who also made the two towers? Yeah, and made um, they made uh, I think they made the the um, those EverQuest Diablo type games that were really good. Champions of Nora. Yes, those games are the best thing From to come out of. Best, the, best the only thing fun to come, thing out, of to ever come out of EverQuest. Yes. They also made Baldur's Gate: Dark Alliance one. Also a good game. Yeah, uh, yeah, like that was just like that one's, you know, that one's got its moments at the very least. Uh, a lot of the other ones that were ambitious got like summarily canceled. Uh, there's like EA had like an Elder Scrolls knockoff by all accounts. It was called, uh, it was tentatively called like Lord of the Rings The White Council. That never, that. yeah, that never came out. Uh, I don't think we ever even saw gameplay of that. Um, so, so I guess it's a combination of leaning too heavily on the name recognition of your IP plus not actually knowing what you're doing. Yeah. Because that you're, awful... You're uh... Oh, God. Yeah. What? Just because they're, I mean, like I said, they're leaning too much on the IP and not enough on hiring people who know what they're doing. That awful... Uh... Fellowship of the Ring game actually had a sequel shown to the press called Lord of the Rings Treason of Isengard. Uh, and that that never came out. Uh, they gave up on the book-based games at that time. There is a PS2, Xbox, GameCube Hobbit game that's actually not that bad. Yeah, it's like a platformy-ish game. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it got platformer and RPG elements. It's kind of a neat construction. Yeah. Uh, they were desperately trying to tie it in to the zeitgeist at the time, so it has the obnoxiously long title of The Hobbit, A Prelude to the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Should have just been there and back again. <laughs> Should have been. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, that's, that's a pretty decent game. Uh, there's the Middle-Earth uh, games, which are... Like, people like them. I didn't super enjoy them, but they're not badly made. Apparently someone's making a Gollum game now for some reason. Oh, uh, there's the, um... The, did you already say the one that's basically Final Fantasy X, but Lord of the Rings? That's Third Age, yeah. That's, yeah. that's like, uh, I described that as an exercise in pointlessness. Yes, okay. That's accurate. <laughs> it's just, there's just nothing. Like, it is just a bunch of nobodies wandering into scenes from Lord of the Rings and adding nothing to them. Mm -hmm. uh, the actual most incredible Lord of the Rings-based video game is the uh, Hobbit text adventure game. I think I've ranted about this before. Uh, it is a... 
the the car crash of a text adventure in a proto open world game. It has a bunch of creatures with AI randomly running around it, uh, and none of them is doing anything that makes sense. Uh, Gandalf will just like run up to you, grab whatever's in your hand, look at it, and then throw it away, and then run away. Uh, there's like an elven ranger who just constantly is like finding things and putting them in like his like trap and that can up to and include yourself and the Balrog. Uh, <laughs> the only one of the dwarves that's actually running around in the game is Thorin and half the time he will just like stop and start singing about gold instead of doing anything. It's an extremely strange game. Uh, but if you want to be confused by a game, uh, like, go ahead and track down that, like, 1982 Hobbit text adventure. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, so yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> It's a strange game. <laughs> That's all I have to say about it. Uh, it's not really a game you play to finish, more just a game you play and sort of see what stupid thing happens. <laughs> Unlike other works of interactive fiction, the game is also in real time, insofar as a period of idleness causes the wait command to automatically uh, be invoked and the possibility of events occurring as a result. Uh game has a cast of uh, non-player characters entirely independent of the player, bound to precisely the same game rules. Uh, character Gandalf would roam freely around the map, uh, the game world, some 50 locations, picking up objects, getting into fights, and being captured. <laughs> World's not ready for angry, drunken Gandalf. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a weird game. Uh... <laughs> Give that a look if you just want to be confused by something. Uh, but yeah. Uh, the, the other thing, of course, is that, like... And, and this was an issue that... Uh, to, to go back to the original question, this was an issue that the game... that the beat-em-ups ran into even at the time. Like, the beat-em-ups were good. The, the Lord of the Rings beat-em-ups were good, but they also weren't really what people had expected or specifically wanted out of the Lord of the Rings game. Like... It was fun to capture, like, the really epic battle scenes from the films, but, you know, uh, there, there was all that, like, world that people wanted to be able to explore and couldn't. And I guess, like, that's what Lord of the Rings Online was for, I guess. But, you know, one of those things where, like, part of the reason that people maybe don't just pump out a beat-em-up is just that... People expect something that speaks more to the heart of the license and get upset when it's not that case. When that's not the case. Um, speaking of Lord of the Games, which game overuses Death Fake Out? Final Fantasy IV. Uh, or just any my very first uh, response. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like the FF Four can't it can't be ignored because it's like that's the game where a dude jumps off of an airship. Clutching a bomb and survives. <laughs> yeah, I remember twenty years ago in the 
the first big wave of in, of uh, web comics, and there were so many different gaming web comics out there, and they all made fun of Final Fantasy IV for this. Yeah. Every single one. And every single joke was justified, even if none of the jokes were good. <laughs> yeah. Now, one time, it was a. I remember this one page, it was just six panels in a row of people surviving horrible deaths. And finally, the last one, the mage character comes in and it's like, hey guys, I didn't die after all. And everyone's like, yeah, okay, yeah, we know. Hey, can you get some more beer? <laughs> uh, or just any tropes to pad out the runtime, which ending should have ended quicker, but it was padded out to hell and back. Uh, God love them, but most most Tales games. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, even my favorite. Could probably one. hack off about twenty hours of most of them and not this much. My even my favorite game, Tales of the Abyss, um, gets to like near the conclusion and then continues for another ten to fifteen hours because you have to go like, oh, the next plot point is at this dungeon. You go through the dungeon, get a little plot, and just on and on and on and on. And on. Symphonia does it, Vesperia does it. It's uh, not good. Yeah. I mean, my first reaction just... was me on Ichi games. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, any, anything from the aughts, especially, was really massively padded. Yeah. People wanted to hit those big numbers in terms of how long, how long a game was supposed to be. Yep. I will accept a game. I will never accept a game that takes less than two months of my time. Uh-huh. Uh. You got a price at one at a penny per day. Yeah. <laughs> or a penny per hour of gameplay. There we go. Yeah. Uh, which plot holes that could be justified with a few additional lines, but developers didn't explain at all. Uh trying to think of games with like really overt plot holes that aren't like absolutely destructive to the entire fabric of the narrative. Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah, there's probably ways to explain that, but I feel like you would definitely need to do more than a few lines to patch it up. The thing is, there there are random bits here and there throughout the game that do help with some of the plot holes. It's just that you actually have to go looking for them, and they're not obvious except maybe in retrospect, and the localization did not do them any favors. Yeah, but FF8's another one of those games where I would probably be calling things out of it before I would be worried about anything else. Oh, no, I would be taking the story and just redoing the game. Yeah. No calling involved. You need to add stuff in for that one. Yeah, like, well, I, I'm saying, like, I would be adding stuff in, but also calling stuff out that doesn't add to what's still there. Needs more time compression. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> no, I mean, see, that's something that could have been that could have been supported much better. Oh, sure. It just sort of happens because yeah. it's like kind of the reason that it's there is just well, most of the fourth disc is taken up with a giant FMV cutscene. Yeah, or the entire mon uh, monsters come from the moon bit. Yeah. Which yeah, I like that's another bit where I was thinking like if I was thinking of things to call out of it, it would be like that Norg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. Saying if if I were going to redo Final Fantasy VIII, I would definitely center it more on the school, mm. which means that one is the most interesting more, part. Which would have meant probably some actual history classes, which probably would I mean, 
I mean, just, I mean, seriously, make an actual Gakko and Mono game instead of what they did. Yeah, I mean, like, that's, that, like, they, they were too early to try doing that, but I mean, yeah. that's kind of the more interesting take you could make out of FFA, just because it's, like, already set up for it. I mean, that's kind of what they, it looked like they were going to set up for it, but then it's like, no, we're just going to take you all the way out of school. Yeah, they just kind of doubled back on it, and now your school's an airship. Yeah. And see, that again, that would have been cool if you had spent more time at the school doing stuff. Yeah, it's it, it's supposed to be a home base, but you spend so little time there that it doesn't actually feel like home. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the major weaknesses of the game, yeah. Um, you could have re They could have restructured it with a different chapter, um, chapter set up. Um, returning, uh, I mean... To in, um, interweaving bits from the actual school that you actually have to do versus missions that you get sent out on. Don't mm. start with your graduation. Um, yeah, that was a weird choice to begin with. <laughs> yeah. And just use the school environment to help bring things in like some of the issues with Guardian Forces taking up literal brain space or origins of monsters, or more on the actual history of the world. So, mm -hmm. um, have some weird social interactions that would have presaged some of the, like, the uh, orphanage revelation. Mm -hmm. Or, barring that, go go back, going back to the previous question, make do with the, ti uh, with the uh, Squall is dead theory, and actually do oh, that. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna make the if you're gonna make the fan base angry, you gotta really go for it. Uh, yeah. Uh, looking back, at the original question, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of like ones that actually would be easy to justify, and they're not immediately coming to me. Like things that wouldn't require extensive rewrites to make them work, because like usually. Like, plot holes come in kind of two fashions. There's, the game didn't explain it, but you can probably come up with something yourself and it doesn't really matter. You'll come up with something. Or the fact that the game failed to explain it means the entire thing breaks apart. And I usually don't remember examples of the former. I mean... Just from the nature of the storylines, a lot of times you're gonna have to take stuff on faith. Yeah, like, like that's the thing. It's that like, for the most part, if if everything else works, like a little leap of logic is just like no. it's something that your brain will just do. It'll come up with its own explanation, and you won't even think about it. Like that's just how stories are. Yeah. Uh. uh. With what sequels erase all the emotional impact slash plot implications slash power level of the games that came before it, excluding Chrono Cross, since you've talked too much about it? Star Ocean 3. <laughs> Ice Burn, but fair. Star Ocean 3. Oh, God. Yeah, that's one that just, like, obliterates <laughs> the prior games. <laughs> and they've spent multiple games trying to fix it. <laughs> Star Ocean 4, I believe, attempts to basically just imply that, like, 
for like the whole four dimensional being shit, it's like, well, like they treat it like a game, but it's I mean it's mostly just another dimension. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Uh Ocean's kind of number one with a bullet there. Yep. Uh, well I was gonna go outside RPGs on this one and say Space Quest six. Oh, I don't know much about the later Space Quest. Well, I mean, Space Quest Four had the the entire time travel thing, which was kind of funny and silly, and ended on a revelation of, or included a revelation that the main character was going to meet the girl of his dreams at some point. Mm-hmm. Space Quest Five introduces you to the girl of his dreams, and then, then it takes you on this hilarious Star Trek Next Generation parody, mm-hmm. basically. Makes Space sense. Quest, Space Quest Six starts with, um due to the things that needed to be done at the end of Space Quest V, including blowing up a, a small moon-sized abomination that used to be a commanding officer, um, that so your main character has been court-martialed, stripped of his of all command, uh, his uniform, his fake muscles, and basically um, charged with a whole long list of crimes, including perpetrating a sequel without permission. Um <laughs> And is demoted back to being a janitor on a space exploration ship. Basically pushed right back to Space Quest 1. Yes. Um, except it's even worse. The, um, I mean, a lot of the... And just A lot of the scenes don't make a lot of sense together. A lot of some of the solutions require um, you to either go really, really deep into um, examining things on the terminal... And um, there's just too many instances where the narrator himself says, Oh, look, it's this character from Space Quest 3. Like that. Oh, boy. Then, <laughs> and whoever did the art designs could not do foreheads. Hmm. Because, <laughs> I mean, normal, yes, humans normally have slight wrinkles on their foreheads, yes, but this person made every human look like a Klingon, basically. <laughs> Oh, and the uh, the love int- the love of his life, love interest from Space Quest Five is nowhere to be seen in Space Quest Six. They give her a slight write off, a few write off lines, and introduce a completely different love interest. So I'm like, okay, who gave the fan fiction author the rights to the game series? <laughs> those la- like the last entry in basically all of those Sierra series just and ended- tended to be incredibly depressing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, King's least, Quest 8. At least the, at least the uh, couple who made the Quest for Glory games were able to make their own sequel eventually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hero you, yay. Never stop, never stop, Hero you. But, yeah. let's see. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty good one. I'm just like... Yeah, you, I feel like you see this a lot more in things that are trying to be comedic, because, like, the assumption is, like, oh, it's it's a joke, so it doesn't matter. And it's like, the thing is, people actually get really attached to the protagonists of comedies. Yeah. It's hard not to get attached to, oh, this character makes me laugh. <laughs> so when you just, like, completely obliterate them to uh, set up the next uh, story, it's just like, oh, please don't. Uh, 
Um, I think I've asked you guys about uh, before about overrated game developers. You talked about Inafune, but Inafune seems like he actually put in a lot of efforts into whatever he does. Which developers made a great game, or at least a mediocre one, that becomes inexplicably popular, then decided to phone it in for the rest of their career. Game development's hard. There's basically no one that just gives up. Like, it's not a career you can typically get, like, it's not a career you can typically get by on, uh, just phoning it in. Like, you move into the executive level if you don't want to be involved with day-to-day -day production. And that's kind of why, like, Inafune got brought up, because he was, like, an executive producer for the most part, and didn't have that much to do with a lot of, like, what's good and bad in Mega Man games, seemingly. Not that I can speak definitively, it's just that's, like, inevitably sourcing back to the Hideki Kamiya, he's a businessman uh, thing. But, you know, when, when you're getting into, like, there there are very few spaces in, like, actual game development where you can be an important uh, lead who is also coasting. <laughs> you end up producing games that don't actually come out. But, uh, like, if I were to pull one out, it's David Cage. And if you know who that is, uh, I'm sorry. Who? What's that? Who's that? Uh, Quantic Dream, uh, Beyond Two Seal oh. Souls, Detroit Become Human, uh, Indigo Prophecy, Heavy Rain. Uh, currently making yeah, an... So, what's that? I do recognize those titles. Yeah. Uh, just an absolutely god-awful writer. Uh, allegedly horrendous human being. Uh, but uh, I say allegedly mostly because I do not know the actual results of the French court case about uh, the abusive workplace that is Quantic Dream. But yeah, uh, currently working on an absolutely fucking dreadful-looking Star Wars game. Um... But yeah, uh, David Cage is one of those ones where it's like got big off of the success of Heavy Rain and has produced been producing uh, extremely expensive abominations of writing ever since. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Being a good game designer does not mean that you're a good author. Yeah, he's not even really much of a game designer. He was just like... Uh, in, the thing that made Heavy Rain and Indigo Prophecy stick out was that they were, one, very narratively focused, which was novel for uh, AAA games at the time, uh, and two, like, very overtly, like, trying to make a, make a case for games that are for adults, so there's just a lot of naked people running around and people getting decapitated. Uh, oh, yes, the mature person's idea of maturity, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, that's David Cage. He is the embodiment of that. Oh, great. Um, there, there, I, I, I want to pull out, like, a greatest hits of, like, dumb things David Cage has said, but I, th I don't think there, it's possible to describe one better than... Heavy Rain has... like the, the premise of Heavy Rain is that there is a serial killer called the Origami Killer... Who, appear, who keeps showing up uh, during periods of heavy rainfall. There are bits where the protagonist uh, just sort of passes out and then suddenly, like, 
uh, the origami killer has appeared and it exists only to give the implication that the protagonist might in fact be the origami killer and not realize it. Uh, but, you know, that's not the case. And then when asked why this, uh, why he, this character kept passing out over and over in an interview, David Cage responded with, it's a MacGuffin, I don't have to explain it. <laughs> not what MacGuffin is and also not why. Truly incredible. So basically he wrote his way into a box and he doesn't want to explain it. Yep. Yes. Sounds like my old yeah. dungeon master. <laughs> now imagine like your old dungeon of... master was given tens of millions of dollars by Sony over and over <laughs> and over. I mean, it sounds like a lot of um, early writers, too. I mean, especially... Did you ever read anything about um, Erge, the guy who wrote the original Tintin stories? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he used to write himself into corners all the frickin' time. Mm -hmm. It's hilarious. Yeah, you would think he would learn to not do that over the course of, like, five oh, or he, so. He did eventually, it was just that he was publishing these things a page a week in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. Like, early web, like the early web comics, even. Yeah, like, and, when, when you're doing things, yeah. when, you're, when you're publishing serially, it does end up becoming, like, you will write, it's much easier to write yourself into a corner because you can't go back and decide against a choice you made a while ago. <laughs> Oh no, but I mean, this was even more immediate because um, his either him or his editor were of the opinion that you had to end every update on a small cliffhanger to keep the audience engaged. Yeah, that sounds about right. That, so, that's um, often with those serially published works as well. Oh yeah, yeah but, I, I mean, mean, it got Spider really bad with Spider-Man um, um, in America. Comics but, yeah. kind of did the same thing sometimes. Yeah, any anything that tries to work serially in newspaper comics is basically like one panel of recaps, one panel of what's currently happening, and then a, oh no, what happens next? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, thankfully, most, um, thankfully the webcomic scene seems to have evolved out of that, just from a basic experience. Mm -hmm. But, I but mean, yeah, David Cage is a man who is... Three people were having this issue. Yeah. Uh, to, to contextualize this, David Cage is a man who is probably at least 50 now. Let me look. Uh, yeah, born June 1969. So, in his early 50s, uh, has been writing games for over 20 years, has shown no noticeable improvement to speak of, has grown more offensive over time, <laughs> and is continuing to receive tens of millions of dollars to write awful games every few, every few years, so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see... But yeah, I'm not even sure if I... Even even in his case, I don't even know if I could describe what he's doing as phoning it in. He's just really bad at it. Because, like, that's that's the thing. It's it's really not a career you can phone it in on. It's just not, not something you can get away. It, like, if you're phoning it in on a game, the game's typically it's just not going to come out. Yeah. I mean, if you want to phone it in, Uwe Boll, director, yeah. Yeah, Video like that, that's a guy. <laughs> that's a guy who's concerned with coming in on time and under budget. Mm -hmm. And I'm, was there any truth to the, to the story that he was exploiting a tax loophole in Germany to do a producer's style, um, like tax evasion scheme? I don't think it would like. I don't think it would have been an evasion scheme, so to speak. I think I mean, that, I like, it's one of... To describe it otherwise, but yeah. 
Yeah, like it, it's more just a case of like it made it much easier for him to get funding because of the way those taxes those taxes worked. But he was doing exactly what they meant, what those tax uh, like breaks were meant to do, like you know, fund films made by German crews with you know German, you, you know, that that's what they were meant to do. It's just he was making awful shit. Yep. Spending less uh, than he was taking in for funding. So, pocketing the rest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And now for a powder keg question to end this off. Yay. Mm -hmm. Other I'm than just in EA. Time. Other than EA Sports games, what are bad or mediocre games that sold a lot thanks to hype alone? Which games sold a lot? Uh, Kingdoms of Amular Reckoning. That didn't sell a lot. That was a problem. Yeah, that no, it did sell a lot. No, it didn't. It sold, it sold well, given what it was, but that was only like about one and a half million yeah. units, as I recall. That's still... A one and a half million units is a big number. Not it, for something with that much marketing. It needed to sell at least three to break even. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things like... it. It sold well, but I wouldn't say... Like, it's also... I don't remember there being that much hype for it. No, there was a lot of hype for it, because I mean, of having, like, R.A. Salvatore as part of the team, and... Yeah. Maybe sold. it really depended on the circles you ran in. Yeah, so no, there was a lot of hype in my circles. O over a million copies in the first three months. Like, one point yeah, that's... million copies. That is significantly good on the sales. I mean, that's good for a new IP. Yeah. But, like, a million in three months nowadays for anything that anyone had ever actually heard of would be considered kind of kind of a failure. But, oh, the same article I'm reading says, oh, but it needed to sell three million to break even. Yeah. Yeah, like, they defrauded, they essentially, like, took, the state of Rhode Island took a bath on that game. Yeah. But, uh, hey, an expansion just came out for that game. What? <laughs> they, did DLC. they add an expansion yeah. to the remake? Yep. The fuck? No, it was it was DLC that didn't originally release, and so oh, they, and they recovered it, and yeah. finished it. Yeah. yeah, the new studio, the because doesn't THQ Nordic have it now? Yeah. 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 So THQ Nordic, when they got the license, um, got everything, and they finished up the last DLC so it could be released with it. I mean, that's kind of neat. Like, I didn't dislike Kingdom of Bomber. It was fine. I would describe it as fine. I liked it a lot. <laughs> it was like Skyrim with combat that doesn't suck. But it was also not anything stellar, which is where the point lies. I mean, 1.3 yeah. million units sold, which is a very high number, not counting possible digital sales. I, I don't really agree that it wasn't stellar. I think a lot of Western RPGs are highly overrated, and I think it is just as good as many of them. Also, this is what I just described this, like, entire question as a powder keg. Yes. Yes. It, I mean, any of these questions, a lot of times, are going to be very subjective. No, they'll, they'll be subjective, but this is, like, the kind of question you start just to, just to cause an argument. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. But, um, I, I don't think that's a good example of this anyway. 
Like, when you ask a question like this, you want something that's super hyped and was, like, almost universally considered not great. I'm thinking of one that, like, the, the, through the mists of time, this has largely been forgotten, but, uh... Hey, remember Tomb Raider, the Angel of Darkness? <laughs> yes. Because there's a game that sold, you know, a few million copies back when, like, in the early aughts, when that was an extremely rare achievement. Uh, and uh, was terrible. Absolutely incredibly bad. Uh, mm -hmm. To the point where uh, I believe uh, <laughs> when the second Tomb Raider movie underperformed, uh, Paramount literally said it's because the last game sucked and no one cares anymore. <laughs> Which, you know, not super wrong. Well, not super wrong, but both those movies are really bad, so... Oh, they're extremely bad, yeah. but if you're trying to shift blame, not the worst strategy. No, no, it's hard to argue against that point. That is a game that uh, is super half-faked, probably needed at least another year to even be presentable. Uh, and also, I've never played another game that was it was quite as hard to just turn and walk in a straight line. Parasite Eve 2. <laughs> That's at least tank controls. <laughs> I don't have words to describe what's happening in uh, Angel of Darkness, if anyone... Uh I have Did words. anyone else play this? Yes, I have words to describe it. Okay. Shit. <laughs> I mean, obviously, but I mean, if you wanted to give an impression of how on earth the controls actually functioned. Like, it's it was trying to break away from tank controls, and it made something that made markedly less sense, but wasn't even, like... It didn't function right, even when you understood how it worked. It's like a slower version of Sonic 06. Which is already a weirdly slow game. I do remember when they uh, talked about how there would be RPG elements in that game, and what that meant was that every so often you would run into like a door you couldn't open, because Laura wasn't strong enough, and then you had to find a big block to push, and then Laura would be strong enough to open the door. Oh, Pew and Chat is presenting a case for Anthem. I mean, <laughs> not wrong, other than I feel like people saw the stink on that game before it yeah. came out. I don't know how much that actually sold, but I saw clearance copies it, of it uh, forever. It sold like 4 million copies. Okay, jeez, fuck. We know that because Oof. of, like, there was a report by the NPD group from, like, early in that year that it was, like, just behind, like, Kingdom Hearts 3 in terms of top sales of that year and Kingdom Hearts 3 had sold, like, a very specific number that we knew. But, yeah. Uh, Anthem, like, the only thing that would, like, stay my hand from listing Anthem on this is I've... Evidently, someone must have been hyped for it because, like I said, like, 4 million people seem to have bought it, but at the same time, like... It felt like everyone I knew could kind of tell that it was fucked before it came out. Yeah. Yeah, actually, um, actually, a friend and I were both hyped for it. Um, but I oh, was, that's right. But I was uh, wa watching a lot of things on it, and mm -hmm. I gave him the heads up, and I was like, dude, I am not hearing good things about this. 
Yeah, I like... not want to get this. And he actually can't <laughs> just pre-order. You saved him. <laughs> I did. I did. I'm remembering that time that, uh, like, oh god, this would have been ten years back. Uh, some friends of friends were all were all convinced that they were going to play buy and have a good time with aliens, colonial marines, <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, to 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 the people I was actually that I knew, I was like, uh, maybe hold off on that. I'm hearing very bad things about this. And mm. Some of them thankfully canceled their pre-orders, and some of them were like, oh god, what have I done? Uh, so it's like Good my of Eternal Eyes all over again. Oh god, you played that? I'm so sorry. I own it. Oh, you still own it. I still own it. I, I, I remember playing it just, or getting it, trying it just because it was one of the three games that had Kohime Ose as the artist. And I was like, mm. I'm selling this back soon. Oh. <laughs> I, I still have Chaos Wars. Wow. I do too, but mostly for comedy. It's so bad. It is so bad. Sometimes I just need to pop that in the PS2 and have someone else listen to just, like, a very confused English voice actor, like, over-enunciating every, like, syllable in, but how do I get back to Tokyo? Especially that, especially if you've played, um, Shadow Hearts and, like, the You don't Shadow love Uli Huga? Because the voice actor for those characters are so bad. Because <laughs> they're different voice actors. It's like they took some people around the office and gave them lines. It's like, here, we need you to read these. If you've Wasn't ever seen the credits, you'll know that a lot of that. Say what? Wasn't there a Shining game where they actually did that for the voice acting? I don't know, but I was going to bring up that uh, if you look at the credits for Chaos Wars, you will find that a lot of people seem to share the same... Uh, last name as the vice president of the company that localized it. Mm -hmm. So, not far off. Not far off. Although the translation is not the worst class. I've seen. It, uh, it, it has, it's, it's, it's very clearly a game where it, it's an artifact of, at the time, Sony required, if a game was going to have a voice track, it had to have an English voice track. And so... I would hazard a guess that they made an extremely cheap English voice track with the assumption that the vast majority of the audience would just be listening to Japanese anyway. Not realizing that some of the games that were in there had really good voice cast. Because that, that was, I was expecting like the actual voice actor for, you know, Shadow Hearts Covenant originally. And then I realized, oh, wait. It also was there was the red flag though that it was only being sold through GameStop. That did raise my eyebrow just a little. I still regret that I never bought Chulip, another GameStop exclusive in the U.S. Yeah, I never bought that one either. Chulip's weird. Chulip's incredibly weird. But I did find a copy of Brutal Legend. That's a neat game, but that wasn't that wasn't GameStop exclusive. No, but I was able to buy it for two bucks. Nice. <laughs> yeah, GameStop. poor thing. But, oh man, Chulip I just want to bring up because it's another game in the, the uh, Lovadelic line. Yep. Oh, nice. I believe that was Punchline? Or was it Skip? I have no idea, uh, but it was weird. I'm checking. Uh, 
Man, True Lip, incredibly strange game. Beautiful. Uh, let's see. Punchline! One of their two games. Tulip and Rule of Rose. <laughs> and so, two never. Um, you'll never find two more different games in the world. You will never find two, two games meant to make you feel more differently about the world. <laughs> yeah. Isn't Tulip the one where you have to go around kissing people? Yep. Yep. Okay. It's a kissing RPG. Kiss Godzilla, kiss whoever you run into, as long as they won't beat you up. I wonder why, you know, all, all those things about violence in video games, yet no one raised a flag about that. <laughs> oh, even better, he's Listen, got a... No one uh, had heard of Tulip. <laughs> there, there is a, uh, a weird sort of sort of shoot-em-up game, or bullet hell game called uh, Mon Amour, made by the same guy, where you're trying to rescue everybody and... Uh, so you have to uh, fly around avoiding bullets until you can actually get to the person and kiss them to bring them back. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's of a piece. Isn't there a <laughs> rail shooter where you're just going around shooting girls, too? I think you're thinking of Galgun. Yes! That's, that's a different guy, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not the Tulip Man. The Tulip Man has, like, has a defining feature behind this other than raw libido. Yeah. Uh, Yoshihiro Kimura. Hey there. Take a uh, look looking for anything specific? Yeah. <laughs> Kimura wanted the game's focus to be on kissing in public, a more Western accepted custom within a Japanese setting. <laughs> Tulip suffered dismal sales. <laughs> That's a really dark sentence. Wow. I don't and, think yeah. he understood how kissing in public really works. <laughs> I don't think he cared so much as just wanting to explore it as a game mechanic. Yeah. This guy is infamous for very creative and experimental game designs. And that's why I love him. <laughs> so he's like Yoko Taro. Oh, he's he's much funnier. Weirder. Much weirder. And weirder. Wait, <laughs> how, can, how can someone be weirder than Yoko Taro, who goes around with a moon mask over his head all the time? Yoko Taro has, like, a kayfabe public persona going on. Whereas, like, Kimura is just weird. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, th th this is the guy who brought you Moon and Dandy Dungeon, too. Yeah, but, like, the other thing to, to bring up is that uh, Taro's games are typically working within understood genre conventions. He might cross genres a lot in strange fashions, but they're understood forms of convention. Tulip mm -hmm. doesn't fit any obvious genre classification. Yeah, and this is fully intentional. <laughs> yep. But yeah, uh... Tulip's weird. I, I want to play Tulip uh, properly. Someday. Someday, one day. Uh, man, what a, what a weird game. What a, what a daffy thing. What a beautiful thing that this would be allowed to have happened. Um, but yeah. Uh, we've just completely left the question behind, and I think that means we're just about done. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's so many weird 
there's so many weird games, and there's so many games that had hype that just probably failed. And there's some that hyped and failed within five minutes. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there are games that succeeded and were forgotten in five minutes. Like New World. Oh god, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh... Well, that, was, expect, that was popular for like five minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was yeah, pretty much. Popular for like. Five that's minutes. what I, that's what I was talking about. Like yeah. sometimes a game will succeed and be forgotten in five yeah. minutes. Well, it doesn't help that. I mean, basically, it's an MMO in the genre of MMOs that came out in the early 2000s because it was created by a bunch of devs that used to work on RuneScape and EverQuest. I mean, there's definitely an audience for that. I'm not sure it's a huge one, but there's definitely an it's audience not. that wants unfriendly MMOs. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, the current player count is like a couple hundred thousand, if that. Like, it's so bad. If they weren't... It's so okay. bad they've actually turned off the statistics of population on their worlds so no one can see it. So that way people can't keep moving around worlds to try and find populations. Hmm. Well, if it's, it's that bad. if it's that old school, I'm surprised it was even like in the popular consciousness at all. It was free. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was free. No, no it was, it was not. Lost Ark's free. Oh, I meant I meant no subscription. I should say. Yeah. Yeah, it's no with no subscription, but. I think what it came down to is people thought they really wanted that really old-school MMO feel, and then they started playing it, and not just bugs and everything, but they realized this is no longer viable in the current world, because I got kids in a job, man! Let's take them out. The kind of person who is both nostalgic for that kind of experience and who has the time to experience it is a very small Venn diagram. Yes. Yeah. Like, not even uh, Asmon Gold plays it. Oh. Isn't he playing so that Lost Ark right? Is he playing Lost Ark right now? Successful. It was definitely overhyped, and it definitely died horribly. I do love Die Hard. Who doesn't? Also, Wheels, are, have you just ceased playing entirely, or...? Oh yeah, he hasn't been playing since I got home. What? Yeah, you're stuck on, like, this menu screen. Uh, message log. Yeah. Oh, Did well... you fall asleep again? No, I'm playing. If you look at my stream, I'm playing. Hmm. Uh, RP Gamer stream froze. Yeah. Let me see if I can fix it. Well, I mean, if we're wrapping up, I don't think it matters. It'll probably not. Yeah, we should probably wrap up, which means we should probably be talking about pizza parlors. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, well, yeah. Prince, let's see. Uh, daily plug, or weekly plug time, I guess. Uh, I've been cooking. I forgot about that. Uh, Princesses <laughs> of the Pizza Parlor um, for Kindle, Kindle Unlimited. Um, right now, sitting at 12 ebooks, four um, paperback collections of this regular tabletop gaming shenanigans um, in and out of character, just people having fun. So if you enjoy tabletop gaming, if you enjoy reading about it, if you enjoy living vicariously through other people's bad um, lifestyle decisions, the um, in-game mostly, then uh, check it out. Okay. 
uh, Michael Yadimizu, uh, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor. Hmm. Damn, what you got for us? And you can catch me here on twitch.tv slash rpgamer if, uh, live th usually three days a week uh, Tuesday, Thursdays in the morning and Friday on the overnight uh, playing um, some various RPGs um, should be hopefully finishing up Parasite Eve tomorrow um, I had a chill Final Fantasy XIV stream the other day so um, and then uh, that's really it for me I am probably the lamest of the group <laughs> you say that but I'm still running around um, <laughs> yes but you have a blog yeah but it's bad um, no, it's not. I dispute that claim. I, <laughs> uh, I don't have time. I don't have time to do this. Wheels, what's you, what you got? Uh, you can watch me uh, Wednesday nights on the RP Gamer channel and Sunday nights. Um, mostly been doing uh, East 9 lately, and that will probably continue for a while. Um, Although I may will probably switch over, switch in some Elden Ring starting next week. Like a nerd. Totally, totally. Uh, and this Friday on my Twitch channel, um, which means I should probably get this episode up before Friday, I'll be doing a uh, Fortnite stream with my good friend Kyle, who is on the Disney podcast, um, The Great Mousecast. No, the Great Mouse Podcast. Didn't uh, so you uh, guest on that at least once? Yes. Mm. Three times now. Yes, you're once, twice, three times a mouse. Uh, so check that out. That sometimes involves ridiculous things like me accidentally throwing healing items at the last team and still somehow winning the game. <laughs> that makes it sound like you didn't deserve to win. Probably not. I think that same, that same match involved me um, running around a town area where a massive battle was occurring, somehow managing to revive Kyle, and somehow we escaped that town and won that game. Yeah, that was also the game where I threw healing items at the last team. And that's also a game where we drove around a, on a boat half the time with me playing a sax in the back, so... Yeah, that's Fortnite. That's yeah. these things to go. That's why it's entertaining to watch. Uh, that's about it for me. And as mentioned, I have a blog. It shows up at patreon.com slash study. There are no uh, posts locked behind any sort of monetary contribution, but I always appreciate it. Uh, most recently, uh, because my time has been limited, I did like a short uh, audio post, uh, just sort of rambling to keep the keep the place alive. Uh, go ahead and listen to that, and tell me that I should never do it again, or else stop. Essentially, stop me before I kill again. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's still around. Uh, Want to thank everyone who asked questions: Strawberry Eggs, uh, Doomerang, Fire Miner, Gamer, and put uh, questions in the comments of this or more uh, or another recent episode. 
or you can join the Discord and ask in the podcast section. If you don't, uh, even if you don't want to uh, ask us questions, you should join the Discord. It's a lovely place. You can go there by going to the community tab of RP Gamer, and uh, that will give you access to a Discord invite link. A lot of great people, a lot of good discussion about your favorite RPGs and other miscellaneous potpourri. So, uh, please uh, feel free to join. It's a lovely community. Uh, otherwise, though, see ya, Space Cowboys. Mm -hmm. See ya.